Hi, this is Laura Libera. I play Sienna in Terrifier 2, and you're listening to the Horror Squad Podcast. Welcome back to the Horror Squad Podcast, episode number 282. Tonight we're doing a double feature of Ring U and The Ring, the original version and the American remake. I'm your co-host Todd. We have Steve. We are Joe's tonight. He's dealing with some stuff, so we wish him the best. What's up, Steve? Uh, not too much. Uh, yeah, definitely wishing Joe all the best with what he's dealing with. Uh, we're going to miss him this week, but you know we're carrying on the show on. This is actually my pick. So we each decide to pick like something mainstream as whatever when we have like filler weeks when there's nothing out in the theater which it's, it's a pretty dull moment right now in horror like there's not much coming out so we kind of go through a theme and each pick our films joe picked Blair Witch project last week i'm picking the ring which we decided to also do ringu because i like to have the contrast of you know international versus american remakes and uh, then todd will pick the next one so curious what you're gonna pick but yeah i'm doing good I'm curious what I'm going to pick as well. <laughs> we will know by the end of the show. Um, and then I, I picked I picked House of Thousand Corpses, the one before that. So I don't know. Like, do I want to go one of my favorite movies? Do I want to go a good discussion topic? Yeah, it's always a tricky thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all goes on mood. Uh, I do want to ask our audience something. So last week, we had an interview with a comic book writer for uh, the series The Redemption, which the new episode, the new uh, comics coming out June 21st. And I'm curious, uh, do people like when we do something outside of kind of our comfort zone? Uh, we tend to only do kind of directors and actors from horror movies. So I thought it'd be cool to try something different. So I'd just like to get feedback on how uh, do you want us to do more like kind of out of the box things, uh, different types of creators. Uh, you know, we had Patty that one time. Uh, that's Joe's mom who was incredible as you know, someone who can so cool speak to ghosts yeah so you know I, I, there's also i'm i'm gonna try saying it up but i know someone who knows an exorcist so oh that's something gosh. i think would be cool, interesting cool. as well so yeah <laughs> is exactly. it Russell yeah. Girl? yeah it's Russell Girl. i didn't want to say it but when oh man <laughs> yeah. imagine uh, right that'd be amazing tell yeah, us about so. gladiator too exactly so just curious uh for <laughs> feedback on stuff like that that's fine yeah <laughs> all right you want to get to some what watch sure have you watched anything <laughs> i have watched something nice. and thankfully i did since we had you know the the shorter episode tonight and this one's been on my my to be to watch list for a while i know like i'm sure you do and a lot of our our, our friends out there like they you see a movie on tubi that you're searching out and then you're like oh cool got it let me put it on my watch list and then it's like suggested movie suggested movie. Right. like fuck this looks cool <laughs> and then i like, got it and then it's like suggested movies for that it's like never like that marketing str uh, strategy <laughs> they did with the rabbit hole is perfect for that mm -hmm. service because they have so much shit so much shit which led me to this 2003 indie film called hey stop stabbing me which is a cool freaking title yeah essentially it's about a young college graduate and we meet him when he's in the dorm and he has to get out of his, his dorm and go you know find a real job and all that stuff so he answers an ad that he finds on the side of the road for a for a, a one-room apartment or whatever in a house that he can go rent and it's just like a weird kind of like surreal experience. Like everything falls into place. Like he goes to the park, he meets a girl. He goes to the house. He's instantly accepted in the house and he can rent it. Uh, he meets a guy that picks him up to take him for a ride and he offers her, him a job. So all of his answer, all of his questions are being answered in his young life. But 
everything is all also sinister. He grows to suspect that one of the homeowners or his roommates is killing off the other roommates because when he gets to his room, it's fully furnished. It has pictures of another man. It has clothing. He's like, hey, I forget the guy's name. He's like, hey, where's Craig? He's like, oh, he joined a cult. And then he looks outside and he sees Craig's like a headstone gravesite in the backyard. He's like, what's that? He's like, oh, that's just reminding me of all my friends. And he's like, okay. Ultra low budget, but for such a low budget, like obviously like a college movie, it's very well acted. Like you can tell these are all friends that they had some kind of film background. I mean, it turns out the guy that stars in this actually co-wrote Sonic the Hedgehog, something else that's been in the theater, like that's pretty popular. So he actually went on to have a pretty good career after this. So yeah, it's, it's, is it low budget? Yeah. Is it kind of silly? Is it really skimpy on horror? Yes. But I don't know, man. I was like always looking forward to the next step in the next scene because it just went from weirdness to weirdness. And the director, I mean, sorry, the star, he wrote Sonic 1, Sonic 2, Violent Night. He has some credits with Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. So yeah, he's actually turned out to be a really, really uh, big filmmaker there. So that's, hey, stop stabbing me over on Tubi. So is it the name or the poster that got you into this? It was the freaking name. Okay. Because it's either one will will get you yeah. on Tubi, I find. Yeah. yeah, their posters are legit. Just like um, Sharks of the Corn, amazing poster, terrible <laughs> yeah. movie. Shark Exorcist, and maybe yeah. a poster, terrible movie. Uh, Velocipaster, amazing poster, terrible movie. Like there's a, yeah, it's a bad rabbit hole you can get down on Tubi. Uh, so someone's making bank though, as some kind of poster maker out there. There's I don't know who it like, is. But... Legit artist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That one guy is just like, man, he's raking it in. All right. So I have two tonight. So my first one is one I watched over on Shudder. It's a brand new and from 2023, and it's called Brooklyn 45. So this is the story of a group of military people who are summoned to like a dinner that one of them brought them to. I think it's like the the captain or at least or the, you know, the commander or whoever is like the highest ranking officer of them. And he brings them to this place. It's right after uh, World War II. It's like around Christmas time after in 1945. And he brings them there on, they're not really sure why. So they're kind of like, okay, why are you, is this just like a reunion? Like, what, what is this? It turns out that he wants to do a seance for his dead wife, who also had some kind of affiliation with what they were doing uh, in the military. But there's something a little more sinister at play here. And I don't want to say it because it's really interesting and it goes in unexpected ways, but it's basically a one location film where they're in this room the whole time. There are some horror elements because the seance brings in some pretty legit looking ghosts at times. And there are some surprises. Uh, it stars Jeremy Holm, who uh, people have been a longtime listener of this podcast is the first guest that uh, we ever hosted. It was in the three guys days at um the ranger the ranger that's right exactly who's fantastic in it by the way like he's probably one or two top like uh performances for a male actor this year so far a really fantastic role and i enjoyed the movie you know these one location films can sometimes be tricky because you're really relying on story and acting and dialogue and you're not like there's a lot of other tricks that you can't use to kind of make the movie interesting so you're doing a lot and this movie does a really good job of it so i think people should check this one out it's not like super horror but uh thematically it is you know like there's not a lot of big horror scenes 
but when they there are some they hit hard so that's why i like it so much i gave it three and a half stars out of five so that's on shutter sweet all right so my last one is a book called hell divers written by mr nicholas sansbury smith um 95 through it on my kindle and essentially it is about post-apocalyptic where you know the world nuked itself like another i mean any other nuclear war books the difference is like uh, think helicarriers from like the vendor series like those flying aircraft carriers the remnants of humanity survive on those and down below on earth it's like a hellscape there's like mutant creatures because it's set 200 years after the war there's super storms things like that and hell divers are dudes and girls that dive onto the planet for a short short amount of time to get like supplies and like repair their ship and things like that. And it's the last ship out of these uh, floating structures to survive. So if they die, then humanity dies, right? So it's pretty cool because it mixes a lot of things I like, which is like post-apocalyptic setting, military fiction um, mixed with mutants because it all meshes into one. And it turns out to be a really fun book if you're looking for like an action-packed sci-fi slash mutant horror with some military fighting stuff in it, then I think you definitely like it. It's Helldivers, uh, written by Nicholas Sansbury Smith. It does sound interesting. Cool. All right, so my last one is a movie from 1973, which I also watched on Shudder, and that is The Wicker Man. Um, so we are fast approaching our top of the 70s decade episode, uh, maybe about a month from now. So I'm trying to go back and trying to fill up my seven to 10 <laughs> like films. You know, my one to six is really solid. Seven to 10 could go either way. So I'm kind of rewatching things that I thought maybe could make them. So The Wicker Man is a story of a police officer who goes to an island to investigate a missing person. And as he gets on the island, he notices that there are a lot of weird shit going on on that island. Basically, it's run by a cult who is run by Christopher Lee, who is very charismatic in the role of the leader of the island. People know Christopher Lee, of course, as Dracula in the Hammer films, Count Dooku in Star Wars, and Saruman in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And it's basically this police officer investigating the disappearance of a girl. And there are clues as to whether or not she's dead, what's really going on in this island. He starts taking exception to the fact that they're not living the Christian fundamental like values that he was raised with. So he keeps threatening everyone with arrest and all sorts of stuff. So they're trying to kind of playing a game with him of cat and mouse. You know, is the girl alive? Is she dead? Is she missing? Is, was she ever there? A lot of mystery like that. So uh, for those who've seen it, you know, spoiler alert, I guess for a movie from like 50 years ago, you know, it, it turns out that uh, they're, the whole thing is about a set, a set up to get a virgin, which the cop is, and sacrifice to the gods so they can have a harvest within the next year in probably one of the biggest, I guess, horror iconic images of the Burning Man and, uh, you know, the effigy. And a lot of cult films have kind of taken cues from this movie. Uh, I'd seen this probably around college, so that's like 25 years ago. And uh, I remember liking it, but I didn't remember like enough of it to make an opinion on whether or not it could be on my top 10. And I got to say, I, I really like it. Uh, I know Todd didn't. I saw his letterbox score, but I just really love cult films. I love to see the rules of like what the cults are doing and their lore and why they do certain things and their customs and all like that. I, I That just really fascinates me. It's the same reason I like Midsommar so much. So I was really into it. There are some negatives. I was not a big fan of the singing. <laughs> There's a lot of musical numbers in this. And I, as far as singing goes, it wasn't like terrible. Like I've seen worse, 
but I still don't want it in the movie. And also, I didn't care for the cop at all or the police officer. And that's a problem because if I don't care about his fate, then the whole ending is kind of less impactful because it's like, okay, whatever. Good for him. Like, I, I really didn't care for him. So uh, those are two uh, lows. But overall, solid movie. And I do recommend people checking it out. That's The Wicker Man. And I gave it four out of five stars over on Letterboxd. Yeah, it's been a while since I watched that too. It's got to be shoot, maybe over 15 years. So definitely need to give it a rewatch. I remember not liking most of it except for the final scene where like the betrayal happens. Mm-hmm. And that's like really effective. I think he starts singing when he's getting yeah. burned too. And it's like, yeah. oh shit. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, but awesome. We got our 70s list coming up in a, what, about a month? Yeah, about a month. Uh, we're we're going to start soliciting for some lists of salt also from the listeners. So start preparing them because it will be coming fast. Uh, how's your list coming along? Do you have like a an idea of what you're putting on there? I mean, I know what my top two are going to be. Those are pretty, pretty easy to pick. Yeah. I think the challenge is going to be like six through ten. Mm. Uh, which is usually what the challenge is with these lists anyway because you got like your top three easily with all the with all the decades and stuff but yeah i get to definitely rewatch a couple things here and there yeah my top one two three four are like all could be number ones you know uh, they're just so fucking good like it's amazing that they all came out in the same decade yeah. and then my next four they're good like really good but they could switch you know potentially and then it's the last like two or three that I'm kind of struggling with nothing that's really speaking to me that should absolutely be there. So I'm kind of doing a little bit of research to try to find out. Yeah. I'm going to guess that the overall list will have exorcist in it. Number one. I would Um, think, uh, you know what though? Halloween could also be there. Yeah. You know, they're two. They could be iconic. Yeah. It's it's two really big hitters in horror, so yeah. I can see either being number one on the ultimate list. Yeah, I I think probably Jaws is like the best film made, like overall, like best made film in the seventies right. for horror. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's going to be the overall number one. I think people are going to be more traditional. Uh, I, I I agree. Yeah, it's uh it's tough. You know, obviously I know what yours is, and I know what mine. <laughs> you know that it's an easy pick, but. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what people put on there. And I'm particularly interested what they put, like like you said, 6 to 10, right? That's kind of where I'm not as sure what people will put on. So yeah, uh, there aren't as many obvious choices as previous decades. I'm really looking forward to this list, I think. Uh, uh, it's the last comfortable list that we're doing for me. After this, I'm starting to go out of my comfort zone. Sixties <laughs> yeah, is gonna be rough. There's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of new watches in that one for sure. Yeah, and that's good, right? That's yeah. I'm happy to come out of my comfort zone and start watching more sixties stuff. I've already started, and then we're gonna do fifties and probably then just fifteen below. Yeah, you know, we're not gonna go through <laughs> well, like the four nineteen tens. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it'll be interesting, I'm... but <laughs> one one problem at a time. Seventies. Yeah. Is... <laughs> I mean, shoot, I already know what my number one for the sixties will be. That's, yeah. that's an easy one. Uh, yeah. Uh, top two are probably like set in stone for me for the 60s, but... What would be your second one? I'm trying to think. Well, it, I might as well tell you because it could change. Uh, it, uh, Psycho and... and um, Oh. And Night of the Living Dead are probably yeah, going to be top two. Very yeah. cool. Exactly. All right. So there's no Joe this week. That doesn't mean we can't have a cup of something. So if we're going to have a cup of anything, it's going to be from Deadly Grounds Coffee. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. 
Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. All right, so we got a double feature tonight. Steve is going to lead us off with the original version of this movie. I will. So the first one is Ringu, 1998, directed by Hideo Nakata. So this is the story of a woman. She is researching a cursed video and starting to interview teenagers about it. And when her niece Tomoko dies of a sudden heart failure, is what they call it in the movie, with an unnaturally horrified expression on her face, Rico decides to investigate what's going on. She finds out that some of Tomoko's friends have also passed away in similar uh, fashions. So she goes to the cabin where they were staying and she finds a tape. And on that tape is some really weird imagery and some like really odd stuff. And then she gets a call that basically tells her that her doom has been sealed and she has seven days to live. So the rest of the movie is spent her trying to figure out what's going on with the tape. She uh, shows the tape to her ex-husband to get him in on the investigation. And then, unfortunately, her son also watches the tape, which makes the whole situation more dire and more urgent for her as uh, they try to figure out what's going on, how to stop this curse, and leads them all the way to uh, a well where they find Sadako, which is the uh, the demon in this particular movie. So Sadako, uh, Sadako, S A D A K. Sadako is like that game, right? Right. Game. right. <laughs> Sudoku, you mean? It's Sudoku. <laughs> yeah, I'm like they're just playing in the well. You gotta beat it, Sudoku. Exactly. All right. <laughs> yeah. So that's basically the story of the film. Uh, so, what do you think of Ringu? Uh, all right, second time for me. First time watched it when I was younger, and they, I mean, this kicked off the the J horror American remix, right? It was this mm -hmm. one, and yep. then the Grudge. I think two years later, that really fucking kicked things off, where every single thing that was Japanese <laughs> or Korean got American remake in like a two months. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, but I like the tagline here: "One curse, one cure, one week to find it." You know, like I was trying to channel my original thoughts, and I think they're pretty similar. Uh, to what I think now and I think it's really slow and I think having seen the remake first did this one an injustice because without this one you don't have the remake and this builds a lot of things on it but my initial thoughts are there's a lot of cool stuff that culminates at the end but some of the stuff we go through to get there is a little weak especially and you know this probably comes back to having seen the remake again or remake first is that the the shock like the open mouths and like you know the scared the scared looking bodies isn't as effective as in the remake and i think mm -hmm. that damages my view on it overall i think it's passable but nowhere near like as terrifying as this was made out to be even even like i don't know i think some of the, this movie does things a little bit better than an american remake i think the tension's better but i did have a question mm -hmm. the boyfriend or the ex-husband right first of all he's a piece of shit Secondly, when he walks into the house, he does this weird pause in like the entryway and like <laughs> scary music plays. What? Did, what I, why? Did you, what was that for? I, I I don't know. Just to amplify tension, I guess. It's like the scary ex-husband, or um, <laughs> scary yeah, <laughs> right? It was like, oh my! I'm like, is he in on it? No, mm -hmm. he's just he's just 
he's a he's a long-haired bad boy right <laughs> it's like okay cool <laughs> no exactly yeah so i uh actually it's good for this discussion i saw this movie first um i remember i was in film school when the ring like the american one came out and my teacher made us watch ringu in class before the ring came out so that we can have like a contrast between you know american remake versus cool teacher yeah, yeah yeah well his whole thing was international film so uh, it fit, fit into that class like perfectly and i remember being very like i really liked this film when i first saw it and i haven't seen it since so i was really curious because i like the ring the american version a lot i wanted to revisit this one which is why i ended up picking it and i gotta say it was so impactful the first time but now having seen the american version i feel it's lost a lot of its uh of its impact because as we'll talk about later i prefer the american version which is actually pretty rare for the japanese horror ones i usually prefer the originals in this particular case i think the american one did a lot of stuff better just right in the beginning you know the very first scene i feel felt the tension wasn't as solid as the american version and the way that they end the first scene is like this weird like freeze frame a negative shot of the, the girl's face as it blurs like out of focus and then goes into the next scene, which is just, I don't know. It, it feels so film school, you know, like it's not an effective yeah, method it's, of conveying it's, sphere. It's, it, it feels cheap. Yeah, no, exactly. Cheap, yeah. Then the stuff that's actually on the tape didn't feel as like freaky as yeah. it did at that time. Now, remember, I mean, we're talking about, I was in film school. It was probably like 2001, like a year before the other one came out. So we didn't have YouTube. You know, we didn't see a bunch of freaky shit on TikTok or YouTube or all these fucking things. So at the time, it was like, holy shit, this is a really like deranged looking tape. Yeah. Now in 2023, it's like I've seen a ton of shit like this, you know, just scrolling on TikTok. It's not as impactful as it used to be. And I feel that it wasn't as scary as what they show in the in the American version of The Ring. So that's kind of the problem with watching this film this time around is I couldn't help but compare the film to the original. Now, I still think it's a good film. There's a lot to love about it. I think the last like 20 minutes are very effective when they actually end up going to the ghost's like lair, which is uh, Sadako, who's uh, like Sadako. kind of the, <laughs> exactly, uh, the Samara of this story. And it, there are some differences, which I thought was interesting. You know, the story doesn't play out the same way. Uh, this one has more to do with her father as opposed to the mother in the American remake. And yeah, it's just, I, I think having seen the American one kind of soiled this film a little bit, but I still really enjoyed it. Yeah, and unfortunately, I felt a little bit bored with this film. I did like a lot of the aspects, like in the well, um, even though I thought it was so fucking funny that they were draining the well one bucket at a time oh my god and the, the fucking <laughs> two bucket why are there two buckets the other bucket is doing nothing it's just Convenient. there <laughs> like there's no point it takes two seconds to fill it one bucket you don't need two buckets yeah like all right let's let's give this bucket a rest <laughs> right exactly yeah <laughs> that's basically what it was yeah. like it makes no freaking sense that he made the woman do all the heavy lifting yeah. He's just like down there fucking filling a bucket you know and he has the audacity to get mad and then hit her Right. Yeah. Oh my like, God. He dude, you're a, he's a piece of fucking trash. Not only does he bail on his family, but like he can't even fucking organize a, a, a bucketing, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. I and hate he, that he hit her hard. Like, yeah. I was like, damn, that's, that's, he's a piece no. of shit. 
Yeah, I, um, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck him. But uh, I think too, I might have just set the original up for failure because I watched the American re- uh, the version like a day before I watched this one. Oh, so yeah, okay. the the stories are pretty much beat for beat. You know what I mean? As long yeah, as, as far as it goes, yeah, or close enough where I'm like, all right, I just saw this yesterday. Now I'm seeing the uh, the Japanese version and it's a little weaker, so I'm a little bored. But yeah, the the bucket is hilarious. I do like the apparitions that they do in the Japanese version. That's pretty yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that aspect of it. And I thought another unintentionally hilarious scene was where they were showing what's her face um, getting assaulted and thrown in the um, in the well. In the well, yeah, yeah. But you hear that stupid ass sound effect, like yeah, boink. right. <laughs> <laughs> like, why are they cheaping out on like certain things? It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I love that uh, that the mom threw herself into a volcano. Though. <laughs> like, that was fucking so like, yeah. way more effective than that, yeah. what they did in the American one. Like, yeah, it's just I don't know. It, it felt and I rewatched actually Ringu first. This particular, yeah. I went in order. Yeah, Should have done that. Uh, which probably why I probably have a higher score because I didn't go back and like re-rate it after. You know, it's like I'd already seen it, went on my initial kind of thoughts to it. But I still remembered the ring enough to kind of, you know, uh, keep thinking like, damn, this yeah. is not as effective as the ring. But um, it's still a passable film, but it's just not it's it's lost a lot of potency over the years. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go into the ring and then I guess we'll rate them both. Yeah, sure. Um, so 2002, Gore Verbinski, Naomi Wan starring. And yeah, it's it's the same exact setup. Uh, but now we're obviously an American audience here and we have two young girls having a sleepover talking about this scary tape. And of course, they think it's a joke at first, but soon after they get a phone call and eventually the, one of the girls is is fucking killed. And then we flash to Naomi Watts, who's a reporter. And then she goes to the funeral and starts talking to the girl's friends. Like, hey, like, you know, what happened? I'm cool. I'm young. I'm hip. You can tell me what's going on. I used to smoke weed, stuff like that. And then they tell her, like, yeah. Oh, and Adrian, what? Oh, what's that kid's name? Adam Brody? Adam? Which one? The, oh, the yeah, the the guy? Uh, the, the dude, I forget. Yeah, he's in, yeah. like, a lot of stuff, but um, right. makes a little cameo. And he's like, yeah, she, they all died, bro. Like, and it's like, <laughs> Typical high school kids who are able to rent a cabin, which makes no fucking sense. But yeah, then she starts investigating, eventually goes to a cabin where these kids had hung out and watched a tape. She ends up watching it, gets a call saying you're going to die in seven days, and goes on her investigation. Same thing with the Japanese version. She's got a strange ex-boyfriend slash husband. They have a child together. The child in the Japanese version and the American version is kind of off. He's a little different. And I was pleased to see that it was Jedediah from the Texas. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was. As soon as I saw him, I'm like, that's Jedediah. Holy shit. <laughs> right. But yeah, both the kids are a little, kind of little, you know, they're a little off. Uh, I guess I'll just leave it at that. And yeah, this one obviously has like one of the most iconic two seconds in the 2000s film where you know the mother of the girl that was killed in the beginning says like i found my daughter dead or whatever and then it flashes to inside the closet with the girl's mouth is just like bent backwards open and it's a really effective scene it reminds me of the scene from signs when the alien walks by and there's no reason yeah. for it to be as terrifying as it is but in this one too you're like oh fuck because it's just jarring yeah then like i said we we meet the uh the boyfriend and he uh thankfully he tells us the audience and naomi watts is like yeah this is just a fucking college kids fan film which is exactly what we're thinking too and i'll leave it at that and then we we follow them as they do an investigation they're trying to figure out what this tape is about what do you think about it i i love this movie like i i really enjoy uh this movie it's i love investigation horror so that's a big one 
Uh, I love ghost stuff. So that's another one. So it's really checking some of my favorite boxes. That closet scene is so damn effective, uh, even to this day. And I remember seeing it the first time thinking like, wow, that is a good scare. That's probably one of my top like 10 scares ever in, in film. Uh, I think it's, it's it's so simple too. And I that's what I love about it. The same thing as you said in the science with the, the Brazil footage tape. It's just so simple and so effective. So yeah, that and the whole beginning I thought was better. It was just well done. It was almost like Scream. It gave me a lot of Scream vibes, you know, the way they were dressed, the phone ringing, of course, you know, all that stuff. Uh, so that was all good. But just to interrupt you real quick. Yeah. I, I couldn't not, I, I couldn't help but think of the scary movie um right right yeah Rip <laughs> parody yeah, of yeah. It, yeah. yeah i agree yeah and then you talk about the boy man that boy is good he's a great friggin actor uh it get, kind of gave me six sense vibes especially at the beginning when they go to the funeral it really felt like yeah, cole sure. going to the funeral and trying to kind of invest, investigate the you know little girl's death and everything like that uh, i got some heavy vibes with that and the score is also really good in this which amplifies scene like that one so i really really like that uh i did laugh though because in the japanese version when uh the you know the st stuff starts happening they give you the date september 13th you know 1992 and that's how they do it and each day september 14th 19th. where in this one they have to write day one because it's like it's like okay our audience won't get that if i put the date they're gonna know what day it is you yeah, know? Down. <laughs> so that, that made me laugh i think people would have gotten it but i don't know it's just one of those stupid little things yeah um i loved in this one how elements of the tape were starting to manifest in real life uh like at one point she sees a ladder now whether ladder or not that means. ladder should have been there is a whole thing like there was a worker actually working but it didn't seem like i don't know what the fuck he was doing up there what was like, he working on yeah that's what i'm the like, brick like, exactly <laughs> it didn't really make sense Blacker. Um, same thing with the you have a fly you know it at one point like flips as if it's on the film then it like comes out of the tv like super effective i really love stuff like that that just made the whole thing a little bit better little goofy moment though <laughs> so she's looking up lighthouses because she sees she stretches the tape so that she can see a lighthouse which okay i don't know about that but anyway even if she can do that she stretches the tape she sees this lighthouse she looks at the lighthouse book and almost immediately finds that exact lighthouse because apparently there are only like 80 lighthouses in the world and that book had them all so kudos to finding that, that one that was, perfect lighthouse she, she's an investigative reporter dude Don't. The, the, apparently the best of the best <laughs> solve the jfk thing solve the get yeah. out there there are also some really dumb moments that i had to write about the, her relationship with her boss it's such a cliche that news reporters have the worst relationship but also the best relationship with their boss he like fires her and she's like no i'm not fired yeah you're fired no no, I'm not. I got a good I'm story. I'm doing whatever I want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's like, okay, what's the story? And then yeah. he just lets her go. But they All never right, yeah. mentioned that again. That's the only mention of that. Completely, she, like, no point point at all for that. They needed to show that she was feisty. Apparently, yeah. Hey, Naomi uh, Watts, though. Oh, Damn. yeah. Oof, for sure. God. I'm not firing her. But exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, and speaking of feisty, speaking of feisty, how about that cashier at the store who just looks at the guy? She's like, you're going to die <laughs> because he bought cigarettes. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, what the fuck's happening? Yeah. It's anyway, it's She's just super intense. Um, um, cabin yeah. number 12 is a fucking dump. Well, yeah, 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 right. 
I was like, this is the cat. In the Korean one, it's it's nice. I mean, sorry, Japanese one, it's it's nice and it's cool. This one's just a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. Like, you would expect a deadite to fucking possess you in that one. Like, don't stay there. It's, it, <laughs> right? There's definitely a haunted VHS tape there. Exactly. Yeah, it's... Uh, I also loved um, the creepy drawings that the little kid was doing. But that's another big, like, trope of, especially, like, the early 2000s or late 90s of the kid drawing kids like, are always drawing creepy shit all the time like oh, fuck, they, they do it all right up to like stranger things you know it's such a trope yes. that they had to like mimic it there so uh yeah that's another thing that happens one thing i do really love about this one though is the slow reveal samara because it really starts with the mother like they're investigating the mother anna morgan for a long time and it's only slowly starts to bring in samara into the story and I thought that was good because it changes the narrative of the film. It makes the thing a little bit more creepy and kind of keeps my interest, you know, because after a while, you kind of know everything about Anna Morgan, but then they go into this whole other kind of side story, which brings us to an island with Brian Cox. So Brian Cox, another great actor. Uh, yeah, so, so they go to Brian Cox's house and she's like totally just invading his space, you know, to asking him like super bad questions. He's fucking like just taking tapes and watching shit in his house, like totally inappropriate. Uh, but you know, poor that's Brian also a, a trope of this time. People going into people's houses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, as if they own on. it. Right. Yeah. And being yeah. like ashamed or like scared, like well, you're in their fucking house. Can we, can we talk about Brian Cox and his elaborate, elaborate suicide? <laughs> <laughs> he, he gets every fucking electronic he owns. I'm like, you can just do it with one. You don't need yes. every fucking... <laughs> oh my god, it's the most elaborate electrocution yeah. I've ever seen. It's so weird. He's like, dedicated. Makes, he's even like, like he hits her with a power bar. So he's yeah. even getting like more power bars. Like More power, fucking the, the le like the origin story of Electro, practically. It's like, geez. <laughs> exactly, it's like, oh my god. <laughs> that, that made me laugh so hard. I was just like, what the fuck? And it was so stupid. That his death just made me laugh, you know, because yeah. of how ridiculous it was. Like, he was working on it for, like, three hours, probably. Yeah, yeah. He's like, all right, this will kill me for sure, but let me add the fucking record player. Hold on. Yeah, it's like <laughs> if Clark Griswold put all of his fucking Christmas, like, decorations <laughs> on so he could kill himself in a tub. It really, really, really made no sense. I love the room in the barn. Like, super creepy. Oh, yeah, where, very cool. Yeah, that, that was an effective uh, scene right there. It, it reminded me of the House of Wax remake, how it was just kind of surreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. That that's a that's a good one. Uh, yeah, it's just a lot of stuff like that in the remake. It was like a serious film, but inadvertently made me laugh a lot because of these like kind of weird moments. That I don't know if they were trying to make us laugh, but probably not, right? Probably not. No, <laughs> I <don't> think so. <laughs> yeah, it's just a lot of stuff like that. Eventually, we lead to Samara. Same thing uh, in a well. Although this one, the well is like under. It's like they were hiding the well under the floor, which I think is better. Like the way that they find the well in this one, where in the Japanese they just go to the house and the well is just under like a few fucking pieces of wood and yeah, no problem there. I love the whole thing picking up Samara's dead body within the well. You know, to it's I think that's as effective in both films though. It's it's something they do in both, so I, yeah. I like that. But I do like the ending of this one a lot better. Uh, it's a way more visual ending than the than the Japanese one. So what do you think of the the endings of the ring films um i think once again the american one hits it better I, I i think it has a lot to do with the little boy you know his performance saying like you're not supposed to help her blah 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 and then 
fucking really cool scene of her coming out of the TV. That's like a yeah. this this movie has two iconic scenes. Yeah, we got the closet and we have the her coming out of the TV is so fucking effective. And I really like the reveal too, where it's like, okay, Naima Watts and the Sun, they're cool. You're not motherfucking cool, motherfucker. You're a piece of shit. And she comes to kill his ass. I think that's a super super cool scene. I agree, but I have one question. Does Samara pose the bodies? Because that dude dies on the ground. Like, he sees her, he is, like, on his ass, on the floor, as he gets scared. But when uh, Naomi Watts goes to see him, he's in a chair. True. And the girls, the other girl, same thing. Like, I don't think she went to the closet. She probably died, like... So is Samara like just posing the bodies for effect? Uh, that that's something I, just, I didn't understand. You know what? Yeah, now that you mention it, there's no feasible way or reason that he would be in that chair unless someone None. put him there. Yeah, yeah. And the only person who could put him there is Samara. Yeah, she's like, all right. No, it's gotta be picture body. perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's you know, whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I do like that they very quickly flash the guy's face as well. Um, but very quickly. Because in the actual scene, when she finds him, she turns him around, but she doesn't, they don't show his face. It kind of from the back of his head onto her reaction. But later on, you see a flash of it. And I thought that was effective. You didn't need to show it in that scene. And that almost worked better, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I thought that ending was a lot more effective than the Japanese one, which is basically all, it's basically saying that, you know, if you, pass on the tape to someone else you'll survive and they're deciding who they're going to pass on the tape to between the kid and the mom yeah we have joe's thoughts right oh that's right we have joe's thoughts as well here i'll read i'll read joe's thoughts here all right so here are joe's thoughts for ringu quite dull and subdued with not much as far as frights go but the last act does pick up significantly and saves it from being a complete loss he gave it two and a half out of five and his thoughts on the ring improves on just about everything. Better intro, more scares, and more of a sense of dread throughout. I also like the changes that they made to Samara's backstory. There are some pacing issues at two hours. It's a bit overlong, but it still holds up well. Three and a half out of five. You know, we didn't mention that, the length of the ring. Right. Yeah, that's it's it's a problem. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think it's it, about 25 minutes too long. I, I agree. Yeah, it, it drags on a lot in the middle. So... Yeah, mostly when she's like going like the horses and shit like that. Right. Although we have to mention that horse scene. That horse scene was friggin' intense. It's cool. Yeah. The horse scene on the uh, on the boat. There's a lot to this when you really like think about it. Yeah. Uh, she like spooks a horse and it just goes fucking ape shit on the yeah. boat and then leave the horse alone, lady. Yeah, no kidding. Like, I don't like know. this isn't your stuff, you entitled fuck. <laughs> right. But yeah, I'm sitting at a a three for the ring, and a two and a half for Ringu. I, I like them both. But Ringu definitely shows its age. Mm-hmm. And I gave a three to Ringu and a four to the ring. I really like the ring. I find it so effective. And yeah, I, I'd watch it again. You know, like, and was I it in your 2000s point. list? I don't remember. It might have been. Yeah. It was low if it was, but because yeah. a four is not like top 10 material, you yeah. know, I think. But yeah, I, I definitely appreciate this movie a lot. So uh, we just have a few questions. So you can ask us those questions on social media at the Horror Squad podcast. Or, of course, you can ask us on Discord, which all you have to do is ask us for a link. We will provide to you and you will have access to the greatest group of horror fans anywhere in the world. So the first series of questions are from Shaylin. That's a little three chord me. If you were cursed with only seven days left to live, would you fight to see if there was a way to survive the curse? or accept your fate and live up those seven days to the fullest? 
Mm, that's assuming that you even know, right? Well, in this <laughs> case, you do, right? So let's say you're in like you don't know, though. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would probably be more skeptical. And knowing me, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to sit in the corner of this room with a gun <laughs> on day seven. And if she comes out of the fucking TV, let's see if this works. I don't I don't think I have the will or the, the know-it-all to figure something out like that. Yeah, I, I I doubt I'd leave my house. Like I'd probably online look a lot. You know, try to figure things out online, but yeah, I wouldn't go to her length to figure this out. I don't think. But I'm also a skeptical person in nature, so I always try to look into things before I make decisions. And I probably died before I came to a conclusion. So yeah, I definitely I wouldn't be poking around people's houses or no. fucking with horses, and spooking stuff. horses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And our next question. Share us with us one or a few things that are on your horror bucket list, or what I like to call a farm list. So what's left on your horror bucket list, just in general? There's there's only one, man. There, it's Dave and MG, plays Flyboy from Dawn of the Dead. He's up there in age. He's had some poor health, and I've missed him in a couple cons. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been there, and he was scheduled, and he was sick, so I'm crossing every finger i have that he makes an appearance because i will fucking travel anywhere to meet him because he's my last guy to meet on dawn for dawn of the dead and he's fucking amazing so hopefully i get to meet him yeah autograph wise it'd probably be the same thing uh david mg is pretty much like at the top of the list i'd also have like andrew lincoln from the walking dead up there but as far as my like just generalized horror bucket list right now i think making something and putting it on tubi would be Something I would love to do. Actually, uh, Todd and I just got our first IMDb credit uh, recently. So our IMDb pages are now up. And I'd love to see one of our own films on there as opposed to someone else's film. So, Yeah, and a uh, little teaser. We'll, we'll give you guys more information once we dedicate time to it. But uh, Steve and I and Joe as well are going to look to make a film with uh with everyone's help so stay tuned because you can get on tubi and it'd be so fucking cool to have <laughs> like we gotta hire that poster guy <laughs> yeah absolutely we have to hire that our, our whole budget is gonna be the poster guy <laughs> yeah. oh, the rest gonna is be gonna fun. be done with fucking duct tape and stuff yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna use my basement for every location exactly exactly <laughs> we're on a spaceship <laughs> right and you know, we'll just call it Amityville something, and there you, there you go. go. <laughs> yeah, get at least ten people to watch it. Exactly, just a completionist out there. You can yeah. get those people. It's good. All right, and our next series of questions are from Eric. I'm sure it'll be mentioned in the episode, but what's your favorite American J horror remake? For me, you know what? It it might be this one. You know, between this one and I also really like uh, fuck what's Juong's American uh, the Grudge. One. The Grudge. Yeah, I also really like The Grudge. Which actually, I don't know if you knew this, but they made a Japanese version of The Grudge versus The Ring. I so know that I uh, never saw it though. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna try to watch them all. There's uh, three Ring movies. I think there's three Juong movies as well. And then there's the Versus movie. So I'm, I'm very curious. <laughs> yeah, I had to cheat and look up a list, and the ones I'm looking at aren't that good. So I'm gonna stick with The Ring because yeah. Pulse, the remake, is terrible, and the original is fucking awesome. One missed call, Dark Water. Um, the Eye. The Eye with Jessica Alba. Yeah, yeah. so I'll, I'll go with Ring. Yeah, I would agree with that. His next question. What is it about uh, Japanese horror and Korean horror that sets it apart from its American counterparts? Are we too timid? I don't know. Looking at this one, 
the American version is definitely more effective scare wise. So I think if you go, what is a Taka Takahashi Mike Mickey or something like that? He does some really good gore effects, but I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. So what what would you say is the the big difference between the two? Like what sets them apart? Currently, I think Korean films like to get a little bit emotional. Like if you just look at um, Train to Busan, like it's mm. horror, 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 horror. And then let's try to make the audience cry. <laughs> uh, I think that tends to do it a lot. And I think Americans generally try to play it a little bit safe opposed to even other foreign films. It doesn't have to be Japanese or Korean. I think originals are a little bit darker for whatever reason. You know, for me, it's really, it comes down to a cultural thing. You know, Canadian American to me, it's pretty, it's almost the same thing. Like the movies are very similar one to the other. It's like I was raised that uh, what we do is bullshit. <laughs> and because I, I know it's a film. I know they're doing it for money. I knew they're doing it for entertainment. Whereas for some reason, Japanese films, like I believe them more because it's such a different culture. It's like a different universe over there. You know, the, the way they act is different. The way they do things is different. And I, I don't know for what reason, but like, let's say uh, I found footage film, right? I just, I watched um, Grave Encounters. And we did, not too long ago, we did, um, I don't remember this, the name of it. We did a Japanese, like, uh, found footage film, like, very recently as well. Um, are you thinking of the audition? No, no. Uh, the one we did for Michelle's uh, memorial there. Um, oh. Ganju uh, or? Ganju, Honda yeah, Asylum. That's right. Because the American ones, I always think, oh, this is just, it's fake because it's for clicks. Whereas the Japanese, I'm like, oh, are they really wanting, it probably is for clicks, but. I don't know. There's just something about it that makes me uh, let, like believe it more for some reason. And I think you're That's right. I, I think they put more emphasis on characters and story rather than action and scares. So that helps their movies a lot. Like All of Us Are Dead. Um, like you said, Train to Busan is a good example as well. There, there are a few. Um, I know you didn't like it, but The One Cut of the Dead was kind of the same way. I just like their style of story but i love american films too so it's not to say one is better than the other it's just we also tend to see their best stuff that's something i tell a lot of people like we only pick out their absolute best you know whereas we watch everything that's american so we just have there's a lot of great shit but there's a lot of bad shit too which we don't watch the bad japanese shit that's just the way it is right yeah you know the good point the bad bad everything does not everything. get on tubi that's right yeah it's it's who knows where it goes but it's definitely not on tubi or on shutter or anything like that that's right so when we think of all the countries we think of the best of france we think of the mm-hmm. best of japan we think of the best of all these countries but we don't get their crap and ju- i don't know if they get our you know the american crap <laughs> or they just get you know the exorcist and jaws and halloween and yeah I- i'm curious if uh dude i would love someone to write in yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, for sure. That would be awesome. So let us know. Do we, do you get American crap or is it uh, just like the best movies that come out to other countries? And uh, the final question this week, in honor of Chuck, what food pairing would you go with this movie? Uh, I love Japanese food, so it's e- and easy sell for me. I, I would I would go with the fucking sushi platter with a few appetizers, something like um, fried shrimp and um like chick the like chicken dough balls and uh, that kind of stuff i absolutely love asian food so i'd make an asian feast of this one 
Yeah, for sure. I love Japanese food as well. Um, I'm going to a fucking hibachi grill. And yeah. We're getting sushi. We're getting fucking scallops. We're getting fried rice. We're getting fucking everything. We're getting egg rolls, and we're just fucking going crazy. Is, is Benihana a, a hibachi place? Yeah. Okay, because I, I had one walking distance from my hotel my first night in Texas, and I considered it because I've never been to a Benihana, but I... I I just didn't want to be that guy, you know, like just there alone. <laughs> well, I mean, you don't have to sit at the hibachi table. You can sit at a regular table. Oh, I didn't know they even had. Yeah. Right. I, thought, I thought it was just hibachi. So. No. Well, I mean, they the same people make it. You just don't sit at the. You don't get the, the show. Room. You don't get. Yeah, you don't get. They don't throw eggs at you and shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always try to catch that fucking piece of broccoli when they toss it at me too. Like, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely love that shit, but in a group. Hell yeah. <laughs> not, not. Give me not, some of that yum yum sauce, man. I'm pouring it all over. Yeah. Uh, so thank you everyone for the questions. We could not do this segment without you. So that is our show for the week. Thank you everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. Of course, like I said before, you can follow us on all social media at the Horror Squad Podcasts or on Discord. Just ask us for a link. We will be happy to let you in. It is absolutely free. We post behind the scenes stuff. We talk about what episodes. We have discussions about horror movies, our next events and all that stuff. And it has the greatest group of people anywhere. And I cannot tell you enough how much I love being part of that group. And, uh, of course, you can buy our merch, tpublic.com slash the Horror Squad podcast. So we got all sorts of shirts. We are starting to think with some new shirts. So definitely tune into that. And, of course, start thinking of those 1970s lists. We love to get listeners' input for our ultimate list, so start thinking of your top 10. Send it to any of us or to any of our official channels, and we will add it to that. That will be in approximately a month. Next week, we will be doing George A. Romero's Day of the Dead, as picked by Todd. So really looking forward to that. You know, we're all big George Romero fans. So thank you very much, and have a good one. Bye. to this very hour? My watch broke. How am I going to know the exact hour? Forget hours. This day, seven days from now. But there's a holiday coming up. Do you count the holiday as a day? Well, that depends. What holiday? Martin Luther King Day? Then no. Why not? Everybody at work is taking it off. Jesus Christ, lady. I'm giving you 
seven freaking days. I can come over there now and kill the shit out of you if you'd rather have that. 